Hello and welcome to the Extremely Live podcast. This is the second in my Pleb Story series where I talk to regular people about Bitcoin, how they got into it, and what makes them different than the no-coiners out there. Today I talked with John G. Dew of the Millennial Media Offensive, which is a news analysis podcast. Check it out. It's really good. This is another really interesting interview, and it uh, goes into what a future could look like if we uh, got on a Bitcoin standard and uh, what our roles are right now to make that happen. Big, big picture stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, big stuff. Anyway, enough for me. Let's uh, let's listen to this interview. Today, I am here with John Dew of the Millennial Media Offensive Podcast. We met through uh, No Agenda's Mastodon server, which is pretty awesome if you've never messed with Mastodon. It's been getting really good, man. Have you noticed? Yeah. It's like a lot more people are using it now. It's uh, like the federating is uh, working nicely. I just joined a when Bitcoiner uh, Mastodon. It's really good. Nice. Is it Bitcoin hackers? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I've I've interacted a little bit with them. Um, when I first started using Mastodon, it was really, it wasn't as good as it is, like you mentioned, because the trending bar on the side. I don't know if you use the the web server or the the website at all, hmm. but the trending hashtags used to be useless, <laughs> and now. Uh, now you can actually follow topics using it. So you can, there's been marked improvement. That's cool. I haven't even messed around with that yet. Usually I just look at the, the home feed of the no agenda, uh, uh, one and just see what people are talking about. That's cool. I, I didn't even think to use it because you're right. It used to be completely useless. <laughs> it's yeah. just garbage. The, the top trends would have two maybe three people talking about them <laughs> and now I, I, i'm checking it right now top one is a is 14 and then 11 so it's it's getting there nice very cool yeah i i, I love that i uh anything to just kind of break out of the stranglehold by silicon valley with this kind of stuff would be is i'm all on board it's very much in the ethos of of Bitcoin, I would say, of just kind of being decentralized and removed to controlling parties. Um, yeah. So let's get into this. I, uh, you know, we don't know each other. I don't know you too well. I know your name. I know your sh- uh, name of your show. I got a. I listened to a few episodes. I kind of got a vibe. But let's get into it. What? Uh, where are you from? I'm. I was born and raised in Mississippi, and I currently live in Colorado. Moved out here for work and just recently got into podcasting. And, of course, was listening to the No Agenda show for a while, a few years, and then met someone else through the Mastodon and through the No Agenda troll room, (laughs) uh, Dan Gehring, who is my co-host for the Millennial Media Offensive. And we started doing a show. Um, and it has, it's been really fun. So we're still doing the show. We do it every Tuesday at five thirty Central Time, and we broadcast live, like you're doing here, which I really appreciate. I think it adds a, 
an entirely new level when you can broadcast live and people can join in live and follow along because I mean, we, we joke about it on the show when we're doing the millennial media offensive, but anytime there's a, a mess up either technically or one of us messes up, it's fun because yeah. you're, you're seeing how the sausage is made. You're not just listening to the finished product. So I, I really appreciate the live stream and we've talked about getting into video. I've pushed back on it a little bit just because <laughs> I feel like it's best to get your product tailored the way you want it before you right. start expanding it. But I, um, I like this video setup you have. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I leave it up to the guests whether they want to turn their camera on or not. I usually just have mine on just, I don't know. I, I figure it makes people comfortable. They can see, uh, see what I'm <laughs> my facial expressions or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I'm thinking about, uh, starting to go because I use um, uh, OBS. It's called. It's like a um, open source video broadcaster. I've thought about um, going live on YouTube as well, like simultaneously with the video. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Well, like you know you there said, there are alternatives now uh, to YouTube yeah. and to Twitch. You've got YouTube, Twitch, and then uh, another one that isn't as well known but it has almost a cult following mm. is cozy.tv oh interesting yeah cozy. that's funny cozy is like the name of one of those over-the-air tv uh like local tv stations here in new york city where they just rebroadcast really? <laughs> yeah they broadcast like frazier and all these old in syndication tv so when you said that i'm like whoa wait a minute <laughs> But that's funny. Well, that's cool. So, uh, so you moved to Colorado when? Uh, what, what, how long? Oh, ago? two and a half years ago now. Oh wow. Yeah, I've, I've been here for two and a half years. Moved out here, moved to the city for a job, and then you know they sent us home from the job. So right. <laughs> I, I would much rather be in the mountains right now, but got a pretty good deal here in the city, and it's it's been fun. And I, I grew up in the woods, so doing my time in the city, I feel like is, I'll look back on it and, and be glad that I did something different when I moved back right. to um, to the sticks. Yeah, I, I grew up in upstate New York, and that's like a lot of dairy farms. People, I think people- Very nice. Yeah, equate New York with New York City, and it's it's not quite, quite like that everywhere. Uh, I, grew, I grew up on- uh, eight acres and uh like everyone else around me grew up on like 250 acres because they just had huge dairy wow. farms um so yeah i get i get the uh the call to nature for sure i uh i loved running around we had like two fields on either side of our house and uh an overgrown uh christmas tree uh farm situation so we had like this patch of tall pine trees we would go hang out in it's a good time to be Very in nature. Nice. I miss it. I miss it. Oh man. yeah. I've been around, been living in New York city for God, I don't know how long now, maybe a, maybe like six or seven years at this point. And the concrete wow. gets to you after a while. I I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, some greenery myself. Now, how long does it take you to get from the city to just say the Adirondacks? Uh, maybe like, 
I want to say, first of all, I always get Adirondacks and the Catskills confused. So it's either like two hours or six hours, depending on which is which. <laughs> but just uh, think, I would, I I have no idea. I've never been to New York, but the uh, the Adirondacks are in northern New York State, I believe. Right. I'm just curious. I mean, I know here in in Denver, it's pretty easy for me to skid out a lot of town <laughs> if I really get to feeling claustrophobic or yeah. you know, there's some big happening in the city that I don't want to be here for. Totally. Um, it's pretty easy to. To just get up to the mountains and hang out in one of those mountain towns yeah it, it's it's not hard to get to get out into uh i would say about hour and a half two hours you can you can be in some some nice naturey type situations still maybe more populated than some would like sure. but definitely not new york city you know what i mean right, right. <laughs> like no no dude sleeping on your steps when you walk out of your house Uh, more trees uh, that sort of a thing Uh, a lot of people go over to like pennsylvania uh, oh i'm sure yeah and there's uh there's some nice nature there well that's cool sounds like you're an outdoorsy dude i am i always have been yeah i see behind you you got a like uh, a breakdown of like uh, types of oh yeah i uh fisherman got yeah i got into fly fishing when i moved out here and it's been one of the most fun things that I've done out here. I'm a, I very much enjoy skiing as well. Mm. Uh, but in the summertime, fly fishing is top of the list. That's awesome. And you have to know, I mean, there are some fish that you can't keep here in Colorado. Oh. Some you can, I mean, you have different limits on each kind you can catch. Right. And a lot of times you'll know what you're going to catch by where you are. But it it's nice to have that back there and just anytime I'm tired of being on the computer, turn around and do a little, little studying. <laughs> That's cool. I, uh, I, um, uh, for whatever reason, ever since I was a kid, I've been into birds. So I have like bird books similarly. Nice. And, uh, it's always fun to go out and do some casual bird watching. Uh, even in New York, we've been getting some, uh, some new, uh, I saw some, Birds I'd never seen in New York State, in the, in, right in our backyard here the other day, which was pretty cool. Um, really? Yeah, I'm I'm so surprised as you are. It's usually just you know pigeons and mockingbirds and starlings, and it's about it. But we've been getting some weird stuff, which is always interesting. It's like what what's going on? Why all of a sudden something new <laughs> showing up? <laughs> yeah. Did harp? What did harp do? we had not too long ago we had uh several people here in the city uh, and i I, the reason i know this is because i host um, meetups Mm. for the no agenda show and some of the people at the meetups had mentioned that there were more animals in the city than there had been recently and sure enough the day after we had that meetup here in city park um I saw my, my fiance and I saw a pack of deer just in downtown Denver. (laughs) So I had that same, that same kind of comical thought was what, what are they doing? What are they doing up, up North right now? Yeah. It's funny you say that just the other day, uh, we started seeing skunks in, in Ridgewood Queens, which is just bizarre. I mean, I've been seeing more and more raccoons, but that's like, you know, they, they come into the city, eat the trash, but I've never expected. Yeah. Never seen a skunk. It's just bizarre. We have a skunk now in the neighborhood. 
<laughs> my my wife was like, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's a skunk. Don't go near it. You're gonna get right. sprayed. Someone's getting sprayed for sure. Someone's uh, oh going, yeah going to pet that stray cat and has no idea what they're doing." <laughs> uh, that's the worst stray cat you can find. Yeah, for real. They're funny, man. Funny animals. We used to have them in our uh, backyard growing up. They like dig for grubs or something. You always have these little piles of dirt mm-hmm. where they're digging around. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the questions I've been asking people, because um, what I'm trying to figure out is what makes people bitcoiners specifically like regular people like uh i i can understand uh a guy like michael saylor billionaire who uh understands uh you know uh, economies and money and business and him you know his his mind is kind of in that world and i guess he just bought a bunch more bitcoin today and is now owns uh, one out of every 161 bitcoins, which is pretty wild. He's he's on a, is... been on a tear. He's he's yeah. buying constantly. Um, the dip is his. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, like I was saying, I can understand a guy like that kind of studying it, understanding it, and jumping on it. But what what is what are what are the qualities of just regular plebs like us who stumbled upon this thing and decided to look deeper instead of kind of just not participating or, or thinking it's a scam or, or whatever the, you know, the reasons are for, uh, for other people, regular folks not getting involved. So I, I, one of the, one of the themes I've been noticing is people who are open to, uh, alternative media seem to, uh, gravitate towards Bitcoin. People who kind of receive a different, uh, message than the standard, uh, mainstream narrative. So I'm curious to see, uh, kind of what your thoughts are on that when it comes to yourself. I could definitely see that being the case. And I think I have seen it just looking at, you mentioned Mastodon just being Mm -hmm. on there. And I think that has to do with the general open-mindedness of people who seek out or, or are exposed to alternative media, because I think there does have to be a certain open-mindedness to get into Bitcoin, not because you have to be open to a new kind of money or the Bitcoin proposal, but because you have to be open to doing a little bit of work to discover yeah. what Bitcoin's about. Now, if you're open-minded, but you don't really want to do the work to find out what Bitcoin's about, I think you gravitate more toward the, uh, I'm sure, as everyone loves to call them, the shit coins. <laughs> uh, because, you know, if you're, if you're not willing to spend some time on Bitcoin and find out what it's about, I think you're more likely to go to something that has the uh, the perception of being more of a uh, once-in-a-lifetime investment opportunity the way Bitcoin was back in the day. And I, I, I'm of opinion that we're still early in Bitcoin. I know that's probably cliche to say for a Bitcoiner, <laughs> but that's that's my opinion of it. And there's a split between the people who 
are willing to spend some time on it and say, okay, what is this actually? I know what people say it is, but what actually is it? Versus the ones who say, okay, I know what people say it is, but people also say that this other thing is that plus this. Right. And it has a chance to go from 30 cents to, you know, a buck 50. Right. Where Bitcoin, someone sees the price tag on it, especially before this latest um, market, general market correction, not only Bitcoin. Yeah. But they see the price tag and one, they probably don't know what a Satoshi is. Right. And two, they see that price tag and immediately think that the, the utility of it isn't going to be as high mm-hmm. because it can, they only, they imagine it can only go so high. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of things plays into it, but the, I think the foundational thing would be that you've got to be, you've got to have an open mind and you also got to be willing to do a little bit of work to discover what it is beyond what people say it is. Even, I mean, even on Bitcoin Twitter or Bitcoin hackers, no one's really go and some people have, but it doesn't gain traction because it's so, it's so semantic to go into what Bitcoin actually is when you can just have these, these cliches more or less of what it is at a higher level. Right. So you can say it's a, it's freedom money or it's, (laughs) it's independent money. But if you actually get into the math of what makes it that a lot of people are going to tune out. Right. So, yeah, it, even, even in, you know, standard finance, I don't know. I mean, you know, like you, I'm kind of from, uh, the sticks, as you said, and I wasn't paying attention to monetary policy or even knew what the fed was or kind of anything like that. Um, so to, to add on this, that it's this new thing that uh, is even probably more confusing. It, it would make sense that most people w- would be tuned out or, or, or not paying attention. It's also like all those shit coins have PR departments. Like they literally have people whose job it is to promote and come up with sales pitches and, and all that stuff. And make up fake promises as it appears to be the case with most or most likely all. Um, I heard uh, an interview with Robert Breedlove with um, Caitlin something. I can't remember, but she's an old school Bitcoiner, really, really smart. And she was the first person I'll say who made a case that, you know, maybe there could be a kind of cryptocurrency that comes along that is useful, that isn't Bitcoin, but, uh, her whole point was almost all these uh, cryptocurrencies, they create these tokens that they don't need to create them. It's cl- like the, whatever their supposed uh, offering is, uh, they could do without a token. So it's like the token only exists to make the, you know, the pre-miners rich. So it's like on its face a scam or at the very least like, you know, a dirty way for someone to get super rich. And then hopefully the thing doesn't collapse and uh, screw all the, uh, you know, all the uh, secondary adopters, I guess you would call them. Um, Where was I going? But yeah, 
I agree. It's there's there's a it definitely starts with an open mindedness. Uh, um, I'm even like trying to get even further away from it, like not even between a Bitcoiner and like a shit coiner, but a Bitcoiner and someone who just doesn't want anything to do with any of it. You know what I mean? Like like what uh, I assume that. I mean, the people I've met who are scared to get into cryptocurrency or think it's all bullshit and and can't separate Bitcoin from the rest because, like you say, they're not taking the time to to read or any uh, anything about it. Um, they definitely tend to be the people who will be completely dialed into either Fox News or MSNBC. They're definitely not, you know looking around for information they're definitely taking that information in at face value you know what i'm saying where if the tv said it it's true and that's as far as you need to go i would say those types are definitely the 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 types who would be least likely to look into any of this stuff yeah and whether they realize it or not or admit it or not that whole mindset is founded on the phrase full freight full faith and credit of the united states government (laughs) because they know that if they have deposits in the bank and someone robs the bank whether in person or digitally robs the bank they believe i'll say that the united states government is going to refund them the money they had in the bank right and they may not know that at a conscious level or may not think about it on a day-to-day basis, but that's the understanding that we were all raised with is that you put your money in the bank because it's safe in the bank. Mm. And if you want to risk it on something, you can, but as long as you have it in the bank, you're good to go. That's your right. money. It's there. Now, that to me, when you compare that full faith and credit of the United States government to the opposite which is bitcoin which is the full faith and credit of me myself (laughs) because i have to take control of my money and make sure that it's safe instead of trusting it to a third party Mm -hmm. to me relying on the government to take care of my money is a boomer mindset (laughs) it is i mean for me the goal is to be as independent and non-reliant as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to rely on anyone for anything because inexplicably, inexplicably they're going to come back and say, you know, we did this for you. And because we did this for you, now we think you should behave this way or do this or do that. Mm-hmm. And want nothing to do with that. And that, so to backtrack a little bit, I'll say this. My, the thing laid the groundwork for me to be interested in learning about Bitcoin was realizing what the Federal Reserve was. Yeah. And I did that through the typical, probably if I look back on it, cringy YouTube videos <laughs> that were like, you know, oh, the Federal Reserve is a private institution and it's not, there's nothing federal about it, which is true. Mm. But the way they were presented, I'm sure I would look back today and go, wow, <laughs> could have really found some better material there. <laughs> um, but, That's what laid the groundwork was realizing that this institution was loaning money to our banks Mm. so that they could stay solvent. Well, the 
the the obvious or the natural line of thinking is well where do they get that money mm -hmm. and they just play the bond market essentially and quote unquote print money um all while devaluing the dollar right. and even at that time when i was still not the most financially minded i still understood what that meant i understand right. that if you have x amount of dollars chasing a certain amount of goods and you increase the amount of dollars it's going to take more dollars to get those goods right i mean that's a pretty simple concept and also understanding that the united states government just can't say okay your dollars are worth more now because we say they are mm -hmm. i knew that couldn't happen and i <laughs> you know i don't know where i got that from but i knew i just i've never had full faith and credit in the united states government yeah to bring it back to that <laughs> that phrase and when i learned about bitcoin well, actually i learned about bitcoin in 2011 and passed up an opportunity to invest and i honestly probably would have had it stolen from me if i had done it back then because i wasn't going to take the time to learn about it 100 uh, percent. but i but heard I, it, I heard about it early on as well and i i accredit it to laziness that i yep you know what I mean? I was I was more concerned with sports and girls <laughs> than than Bitcoin, um, but I, uh, I I passed it up. And then when I learned all this this these fundamental things about our financial system, as shallow as they were when I learned them, mm -hmm. then Bitcoin was reintroduced to me, and it clicked. I said, "Okay, all right, this has some potential here." And it's really because I don't have full faith and credit in the United States government. I only have full faith and credit in myself. Right. And if this money gives me the opportunity to live that full faith and credit in myself, I'm all in. And I started diving into the protocol and making sure that to the extent that my amateur mathematics skills could <laughs> understand it, <laughs> that, that it was sound right. and that it seemed to work. Um, once I, once I convinced myself and found enough evidence that, that that was sound and that there weren't any loopholes and it wasn't a scam right. just cooked up by some fancy mathematicians, <laughs> I, I said, yeah. And I bought some immediately and I've, I've been buying and earning since. That's awesome. Very cool. I like the way you're putting that full faith in the United States government, because I think that is a huge thing because, uh, I think you're right. I think, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the narrative buyers. It's the, and, and, and that it would make sense to me that people who have full faith in the, uh, United States media also have full faith in the United States government because they're very linked more than most people realize. I think it's, it's, Oh, it's a branch of government. I mean, for real. I mean, it's, that's the, you know, people have all kinds of problems with Trump and Trump this and Trump that, but I'll say the one good thing he did in my book is really ref, kind of ref, shown a light on the media in such a way that you could see that it is entertainment and propaganda and just doesn't necessarily have anything to do with truth or facts. Like it is opinion dressed up as facts. It is, you know, whatever the military yeah. industrial complex wants to be facts. You know what I'm saying? Like 
he really, I think, to his credit, uh, broke that for a lot of people. Thank God, because more people need to start taking that kind of crap with a grain of salt and really thinking through what they're being told more. It's really depressing yeah. for me to like just see all these people I really respect and like who who are still just like just drinking from that poison well of just not good information. Yeah. It's mal and disinformation. Yeah. <laughs> it it really is. Um I think Trump came along and did what he did at a really opportunistic time because we're still young enough to not be set in stone in how we view the media, our generation, I mean, mm. and especially the younger generations are still forming their opinion right. of the system and of the players in the system. And for him to come along, and the way I like to think about it is that he said that he was going to drain the swamp. And if we <laughs> use that analogy of the swamp, he didn't drain much of it, but he did set up some shop lights and turn them on so that we could <laughs> see what it is. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. Yeah. You're, you're right. Because before that entire election cycle, at no point uh, was was there a, well, at least mainstream conversation about the legitimacy of the U.S. media? Like there was no one in main, in the mainstream even having that conversation. The people who were, and I'll say this, the, the no agenda is an exception, but there's mm -hmm. still a, a small group that they're, that they're reaching, relatively speaking. Right. But the people who were in print media, who were exposing the things like the lies about what was happening in iraq mm -hmm. before to set up the precedent for us to invade yeah it was micro blogs totally and you could barely find them god so depressing yeah the the just the manufacturing consent i mean chomsky tried to warn everybody in the what is it the 70s that book was written i mean yep. it's there if you want to look for it i mean the warnings have been written by people who are much smarter and more uh uh you know educated than any of us and yet still that message is so hard to come by if you're just a regular person um, and you know now today even with the growing alternative media landscape that's questioning the official narrative and showing that it's at very best stretching the truth <laughs> even with that you still have such a fervent following for the mainstream media and you know back in the day before there was really this this movement of questioning the media you didn't realize how strong how how strong the brainwashing was and i hate oh, to use brainwashing because yeah. it makes it sound like there's no hope for people who follow network media and there definitely is yeah i mean you can you can flip a switch in a day and say yeah. okay i'm being lied to and, and now stuff I've got slips work through to there too like yeah. like you you'll 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 catch a contradiction and it'll fire a, a trigger in your brain like wait a minute they said the opposite last month if you have enough yeah. of a memory they eventually just contradict themselves and 
flip the story completely as soon as uh, their handlers need that to be the case. Um, well, the the promising thing that I've seen lately is that it's almost it's almost like a death spiral <laughs> where previously you said that they would contradict themselves one month to the next that time frame has yeah, drastically totally, shrunk totally. where we're seeing contradictions from day to day now yeah. i mean especially with like just, the ukraine stuff and oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's like bad. that that's it's insane it's like it's just watching these paid talking heads to just say whatever needs to be said with a straight face like i don't know how these people I mean, if there's an afterlife, man, they're they're not going to the good spot. I'll say that. They're, they're these people are very corrupt, very very corrupt to just change their story constantly to just to help whoever's paying them. It's insane. Yeah, and I I will say this. I I tend toward a more white-pilled outlook, a <laughs> uh, more optimistic outlook, and the way same, I look same. at that is that if we have such powerful people on the other side of this narrative, one, that's either opportunity for some really powerful people to rise up on our side of the narrative, right. or if we, and I'm sorry about the noise, if you can hear that, no, no, it's all if, good. Um, if we can flip one or two of those people to say, okay, yeah, this was wrong. And I was a stooge for the state mm. because no one wants to be a stooge for a failing state. If we could flip a couple of those people, the tide turns really quickly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you see all these huge sea changes hap happen in other countries, you know, like where governments fall or, 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 um, you know, just like full blown revolution. And you can't, you, you can't picture it happening here, but, I, I can't remember wh who said it, but the quote is like, you're, you're like three missed meals away from a revolution in any country. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's getting pretty bad. The more, the more, the more, the larger a group of people who uh, can't afford food because gas and, and just food in general is getting more and more expensive, the more, the more that urge to flip the table grows and yeah um, and it, it it does very much resemble the media death spiral mm -hmm. where the only option for the idiots in leadership and the united states are okay we can print more money mm -hmm. and we can push off this for another month yeah. or we can go ahead and bite the bullet and say look this is how bad things are and when you do that, you either risk people saying, well, you're out or they're apathetic enough to say, oh, OK, well, at least they told us it was bad and they told <laughs> us it's going to get worse, which I could very well see the American population doing now. And I think if I were in the leadership position in the United States right now, I would be lobbying very hard to just come out and say, look, things are bad. They're going to get worse. You need to start preparing for things to get worse. Start saving food, start saving money, mm. and you have a chance for your regime to survive. Right. But they'll never do that. No. The the hubris in leadership isn't going to allow them to do that. I don't so even think they're. I don't even think they're aware that there's a, a a class of people where that could be possible. Like the, like that. That's a good possibility. Like they're so they're they're like what. what 
they're like our our royals man like they have they have access to everything nothing affects them they literally have access to the money printer they can make themselves rich at the push of a button because they yeah. own all the assets it's like the one percenters man they they it, I, you get into that level and nothing nothing can touch you besides an angry mob but we're we're not quite there yet and like you right. say we might not get there because i i kind of agree with you that you know it's a very weird set of things that fire up an american enough to go out and smash windows like it, at this point it yeah. seems like it's only identity politics that does it it's not like we got close with Occupy Wall Street. Felt like, felt like there was a pretty interesting mix of types of people on all sides of the political aisle, kind of coming together to be like, this, this, this is, this is broken and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. Even if they couldn't kind of come up with a list of things they want, because I, I would ima- imagine that the typical Occupy Wall Streeter probably didn't even know about you know like like we were discussing earlier with the fed and money printing and stuff like that it was just like why do they have so much why do we have so right. little something's not right that was as, about as far as they got um which is unfortunate because maybe if there was more of a focus of what the 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 systems of you know how it works maybe we it could have been had more teeth i guess and and have uh i don't know i'll uh someone to kind of come out of that movement as a leader to, to push some, push some policies or something. But, well, I think the unfortunate reality of any movement like that is that the base of the movement is always going to be at that level. Something's not right. And that's all I care about. Totally. And no matter what the leadership says to that movement, as long as they stay on message that something's not right, it doesn't matter how you explain it. Yeah, it's just that something's not right. And here's how I'm going to help rectify it. Mm -hmm. So whatever does come of all of this, I think whoever decides to take up that mantle and say, "Okay, I want to be the guy that risks the um, the the powers that be coming after me with their full force. If I cut out my 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 lights are flickering so if i cut out i'm sorry that. <laughs> that's <laughs> End of the stream yeah exactly <laughs> the powers that be are hearing uh well I point it to to shorten the point down a little bit whoever does take up the mantle and say okay willing to risk being the person that that keeps shoveling coal into this fire of people who think something's not right just keep you just got to keep it simple you just got to say there's something wrong you know there's something wrong i know there's something wrong here's how i'm gonna fix it but again there's something wrong and we got to fix it yeah you don't have to give lectures every time you stand up in front of a crowd or every time you address the people who think there's something wrong because nobody likes to be lectured to they just want to be led in a direction that they think is going to fix something right yeah it's 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 insane to me that um, Biden has had like in the last couple of months, he's had like five different speeches where he was like, everything's great. Quit complaining. Most jobs yeah. ever. I'm like, dude, no one's buying it. How are you? <laughs> th- that can't. How can that be your strategy, man? 
It's for insane. changing people's lives. <laughs> yeah. It's just absurd. We're changing lives. Oh man, I, I don't uh, get it, man. It you know if you if you were to give a history class and and just to to drive the point home, if you were to teach a history class and say that Joe Biden campaigned on the idea that COVID was a punishment from God <laughs> and that we had to get rid of Donald Trump and that's how we fix the problem and that all of our sins will be absolved if we un- or you know throw Donald Trump out of office and that's why he won, it would be a really appealing history to people <laughs> because that was the fix that Joe Biden presented. All the talking points, all the policy talk, you can throw that out. People voted for Joe Biden because they thought Donald Trump was the reason that COVID happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's wild, man. God. And then you're like, go ahead, go ahead. To... To bring it back to Bitcoin, so yeah, please. No matter <laughs> no matter which <laughs> no matter which way anything goes. So, with the attractiveness of Bitcoin to me is, and this is all with the assumption that the internet stays up. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the internet stays active. <laughs> if the country does fall into complete apathy, and okay, well, I guess we can't do anything about it. I've got my wealth protected. Right. And within a community of people who are like-minded to a certain degree or within a community that I have some influence over and can say, hey, this has value and I can trade you this value for the things that I need, I can use my wealth to stay afloat. If things get better, the price of Bitcoin more than likely going to go up. Yeah. Because what we've seen lately is that we've seen the the people who got into Bitcoin because of the promise of profit mm-hmm. are guilty. They're getting out. They're, well, <laughs> I I'm guilty of that as well, but I also am into it for the the yeah. um, to to solidify and to preserve wealth. And that, I think that came fi- for me later. Like, well, I, I'm glad it did. Yeah. And I think it does for a lot of people who get into it initially mm-hmm. for profit. But we're seeing that price discovery of what the people who got into it to preserve wealth feel the price is. Because the people who got into it for the more risky reason of, well, it could shoot up to $100,000. They're saying, okay, I've got a risk off. Yeah. I've got to get rid of risk. What's what comes to mind when I think of getting rid of risk? Well, Bitcoin's down ten thousand mm. yeah. dollars. I'm going to risk off with Bitcoin first, uh, Apple, Amazon second. Right. And to me, uh, even though I would welcome those people back to buy Bitcoin, <laughs> I, the more people that use it to preserve wealth until we can get the infrastructure to make it a usable currency in everyday life, and it's there, it's getting there. I, I don't deny that. Yeah. Uh, things like the Oshi app. And other, um, you know, transactional apps. Is that the uh, one uh, the Beef Initiative uses? Yep. Know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It is. It is. Um, but things that we, we've got to build up that infrastructure so that 
it's easy to use Bitcoin as a currency. Right. Right now, it's a it's it's a tool to preserve wealth. Totally. In the long term. And I rarely spend any of my Bitcoin for that reason. But if things do go the right way and everything corrects and the global government and the global economy is all hunky dory and everything's good. Great. Price of Bitcoin goes up. That's fine with me. Yeah. Um, now, to get to that building part of, of getting more people adopted onto the system, the easier we make it to use Bitcoin, which it's really cheap to build things when Bitcoin is down. Mm -hmm. So the price swings down actually are helpful in the long run because more people are into they focus on developing more than just trading. Right. So the more we can develop tools for people to go to their grocery store and pay in Satoshis rather than dollars or, you know, find someone on OfferUp and pay them in Satoshis for, uh, you know, a, whatever it may be, a printer. Right. Rather than give them Venmo mm -hmm. or Cash App, the better. Right. And that's I think that's how we drive adoption is you really have to make it easy for to say, okay, you should buy some Bitcoin. Well, how am I going to spend Bitcoin? Oh, there's this app. You download it. You can spend your Bitcoin. Right. And you, there's really a line to be walked there between self-custody and using these different apps to, to drive adoption because convenience and self-custody is a trade-off. Yeah. Self-custody is difficult, and it's difficult for a reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's difficult because you don't want any you want your money to be secure and for it to be secure there has to be a level of difficulty i mean even for your bank account to be secure you have to have a password with a number a letter a capital letter a symbol and usually two factor authentic auth authentication mm -hmm. so that's even a level of difficulty for a bank that's insured by the full faith and credit of the united states government so it's it's only understandable that there is some difficulty to self-custody. But I think the strategy has to be Bitcoin is convenient. Here's how it's convenient. Hmm. And also, if you're enjoying this and you like Bitcoin, here's why Bitcoin's better than the U.S. dollar. <laughs> yeah. And here is how you can make your Bitcoin more secure. Oh, and by the way, that's how Bitcoin was intended to be used because you should be in charge of your money. Mm -hmm. I so, have I have a lot of hope um, as far as, like you're saying, making things easier and, and like even just like the UX of the apps improving so that it a normie can understand what's going on a little better. Even if they like obscure what's happened kind of like how apple does it where they obscure mm -hmm. all the you know scary strings of letters and stuff and and just make it like a cute button i i have a lot of hope that people like uh jack dorsey and um uh jack Mahler's, like those types they seem to be uh heading in that direction for sure uh it's pretty exciting i don't usually uh i don't know i don't i don't get like super pumped on the uh you know the social or uh, not social silicon valley billionaire types but 
Jack Dorsey's been doing a lot of interesting stuff and seems to get it on a on a pretty fundamental level. So I'm hoping he'll be he'll be a big part of of the future of just making this seem more normal and uh, and like you say, easy and seamless. I would say if you can get someone to just spend a half hour messing around with an app, that is at least enough knowledge to send, receive, and if not self-custody, like use it like a Venmo, like especially with that, like yep. the cash app, that's, that's pretty easy. Um, and now people are like used to scanning, at least in New York, that people are like scanning QR codes constantly just to like look at a menu at a restaurant, which is just absurd. But like that concept now I think has finally, finally uh, kind of sunk in as a way to access information or send things, Yep. Uh, which is pretty interesting because QR code has been around for forever. And I feel like it has yeah. only been maybe the last couple of years where it's become kind of normal or at least widespread, just like having it built right into the, the camera of the cell phones now makes it so hyper normalization before our very eyes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I like that you're white pilled, man. That's good. I, I agree. I, I think things get worse before they get better, but I do have, I have hope. And, and even for this specific, uh, like us, the United States, like I have hope that we can, uh, become less corrupt let's say like like yeah like peel back some of the slime and uh you know uh, may maybe just maybe a single person who uh went to epstein's island will pay for their crimes maybe <laughs> <laughs> not holding my breath but uh we'll see um god that's the, I mean, the wildest story to me it drives it me really nuts. is it drives me insane and it drives me insane that people now know that that's real. That's a thing that people flew to this island. To, I don't even want to talk about it, but, and, and it's still just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess like I still, Oh yeah. I forgot. Yeah. He went to Epstein's Island. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. It's like, dude, how, how could you forget? It's insane. Yeah. It, it it is insane, and that's that's one of the things I've seen that plays into my idea that we could very well have one of the most catastrophic – anything catastrophic happen just internally in the United States, and most people would go, meh. You know, that's what's so strange. Like you like you were saying earlier, like, you know, everything everything's pretending on the internet staying up. I bet it does. I bet you see like a cyberpunk future where it's like you have all the tech, you have all the ability, you know, to put a headset on and be in a different world. And it's in tandem with the uh, the decay and the and the uh, just the, the darkness, I guess, of of corruption. And I don't know. It, it, well, it, it'll be both will be happening simultaneously just like it is now really like you'll like, yeah you have to you have to acknowledge that we live in a quasi capitalist society mm -hmm. so anytime there is a tendency of people to do something 
someone's going to monetize it. Yeah. And there is more than a tendency of people to say, I don't care what happens. I'm out. I opt out <laughs> of the future of this country, the future of my community. And someone out there with that much, with there being that much of a movement toward, I don't care. I just want to have fun. Mm. Someone's going to monetize it. So it's yeah. going to happen. There are going to be people who just, they'll be the modern or the postmodern hermits mm. and they'll live their digital lives. And to me, that's fine. If they want to do that, that is the, that is one less person, although it is one less person who could have been a part of the movement to build something better. It's also one less person who's in the way of yeah. building something better. Right. So, and you're never going to have a successful movement, whether it be with a new money or a new political system or a new economy where you are concerned with convincing each and every single person that you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't really, I mean, it's funny to talk about those people who just say, nope, I opt out. No, I'm good. I'll, I will play Minecraft all day and I'm good with that. Um, but at the, it's funny to talk about them, but at the same time, you really got to focus on the people out there who are looking for something better. And there are plenty of people who are looking for something better and looking for answers. Yeah. And Bitcoin presents a lot of those answers because fundamentally money is a tool used by the people in power to increase their power, to maintain their power and to exert their power over the populations. Mm -hmm. And if we as a people can take away that tool that is a huge tool taken away yeah. from the people in power 100% and you know i don't deny that we might live in a reality where we have to have some form of government I, in a, in a in a utopia we don't have to have one mm. because everyone can take care of themselves and you know you know the utopia idea right, right, right. where the the anarchy utopia um <laughs> i I'm open to the idea that we have to have some form of some form of government, but that government should have as few teeth as possible. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. it controlling the money is a huge tooth yeah. in its mouth. The idea of governments competing for our money that we, we the people control is a beautiful, beautiful future. It it flips it flips everything on its head. It it they have to they have to behave if they want to yeah. exist like that is that's power man and, yeah and it keeps people that sounds like a safer future it sounds like sounds like a future with less militaries less wars less less everything evil <laughs> And a lot more like, hey, we got a ton of food. Cut, live here. We got all this. Yeah. We got all this good stuff. Like, that. yeah, we, as a government, we've earned our people's trust and right. some of their money, and this is what we do with it. And yeah. inevitably, if you earn a people's trust and their money in turn, you're going to do things that you think are going to encourage them to give you more of that money and that trust. Right. So there's a long road to hoe before we get there. <laughs> But I think that is a stepping stone to a better and brighter place. Totally. You know, it, more and more people are having this conversation. And, you know, I i couldn't imagine running for office. There's nothing more just sounds awful to me. But 
Yeah. I bet there in the future you have more people with this mindset running and 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 and, and actually getting votes because people are I'll say this, people are finally, finally getting sick of both political parties. They're starting yeah. to see that they're they're being toyed with, that that neither party really gives a shit about them, that uh, all these, you know, major issues that make us all upset and fight each other are used as a tool to divide. Like these people don't really care either way. They're going to be fine. If they want to go get an abortion, they'll be able to. If they don't want to, they won't. It doesn't affect them at all. They're the hyper-rich one percenters. Um, I think people are just starting. It's just like it's the it's the it's like the 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 seed has been planted finally. Like it's it's the seed of the media is not necessarily the truth. That's the first seed. And, and and the who is the media working for? Not they're clearly not working for me. They don't seem to be promoting anything that helps me. And right, huh? The 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 political party I always vote for never seems to quite do anything they say they're gonna do. Well, or uh, you know, it's just all these things are kind of happening in tandem, and I'm seeing hardcore. I don't know what you would call them, normies, narrative buyers, or whatever. I'm starting to see them tweet interesting things and like interesting interesting things and look right. into information that they never would have even thought about looking at. Um, yeah. So I think it's good to have hope, and I think you're right. It's, you know, we we might not see it, but maybe we can help foster it. Yeah, I mean, that's... It- it's really an endeavor that requires patience mm-hmm. and it requires knowing that you may not see the payoff. Yeah. And to me, that's fine. That is completely fine. If one day, you know, I'm in the ground somewhere <laughs> and it never works out. I'm my la- one of my last thoughts before I think about my family and, you know, my personal life is going to be, I'm glad I fought for what I fought for. Right. And if it works out one day, nothing's going to change. I'm still going to be glad I fought for what I fought for and tried to influence people the way I tried to influence them to be more independent, to be less reliant on someone else. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's the banner I've taken up. So I, unless I have a change of heart and I'm always open to changing my mind because anytime that, there is an ongoing fight. You have to be open to doing it a better way Mm -hmm. or doing something, anything in a better way. But at the moment, you know, this is, this is why I'm into Bitcoin. (laughs) This is why I do the podcast that I do with uh, my co-host. And, you know, it's, it's just the, it's what I'm doing right now and I'm happy to be doing it. And I just hope that it works out. Yeah. You know, I, I hope people see that they don't have to be reliant on anyone other than, you know, their community that they love and that they want to move into the future with. And they can really form a better future if they focus on the people around them yeah. and forget about national politics. Uh-huh. I mean, 100%. it's a shame. It's I know. a shame. I know. 
that the president has become what it is as an office because the president should be exclusively our representative to the rest of the world. Mm. And instead, he's this galvanizing figure over every policy that someone has or every voting issue that someone has. And I think whether on purpose or not, it has taken people's attention away from local issues yeah, and taking their energy and focused it on national issues where if you focus your energy locally, you're going to create a better world for everyone that you're around where if you're, if your energy and your passion isn't focused locally, you're more than likely going to make things miserable for the people around you. hundred percent. Yeah. That is the one thing that not the one thing, but that is the thing I think about a lot is just like, getting hyper-focused locally, like, you know, building out these, you know, like, uh, like Bitcoin beach, like building out these circular economies, like you can start tuning out faster than you think. I bet. Oh yeah. The second you get some actual momentum and people on board, things get interesting quick because your reality is what's around you. And if you're, if you're, done with letting political parties parties toy with your emotions and you just say screw all that we're going to do our own thing over here i mean the amish seem to be having fun they're doing their thing (laughs) (laughs) why can't we do something like that you know like i don't know man check it out (laughs) so on the millennial media offensive we use the the fountain app to take lightning payments yeah and the real utility, when I started learning about lightning, I immediately saw that as an absolute community builder. Totally. Because if you can get your grocery store, your hardware store, your vet, your doctor, everyone that you need, if you can get them connected to your lightning node, you have open ledgers with almost everyone you need to transact value with. Man, that's cool. And that is a completely, like you said, a completely circular economy that you and only you are focused on. Yeah. And if anyone tries to infiltrate your economy, everyone who's connected can see it. Yeah. Everyone knows who's connected to who. I mean, this is assuming everyone in your community has a very detailed understanding of lightning, but I think we're headed there. Yeah. I think we're headed to a point where the people who really want to focus on their community and developing their family and their community are going to get to the point where they're, they'll be willing to put in the work right. to take custody of their community, not only their money, but their actual community too. It's going to be a combination of those individuals, the builders and the, the connection makers. And uh, it's, it's those people who kind of drive that on top of, uh the 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 tools getting easier and easier to use so that you can have that outer ring of people who are involved in it but aren't as deeply uh, knowledgeable about it but they don't need to be anymore because it's it's been the work's been done for them basically it's yeah it's just an interesting thing you know it's part of it's it's the trade-off i guess of not having uh you know, uh, uh, any sort of head of Bitcoin where it's just totally open to whoever wants to kind of work on it, which is to me the coolest thing ever. It's it's 
I think probably the the one thing that makes me trust Bitcoin the most is just that there's no CEO to get canceled or or to like make a horrible mm-hmm. decision. It's just an algorithm that runs and uh, a lot of people have decided it has value and it's good chance that more people will decide it has value as they learn about it. Um, I want to yep. wrap up here, but I want to, I want to, um, have you read this, uh, essay? It's called Isaiah's job. Have you heard of this? No, I, I, someone posted it in, uh, the, uh, orange pill, uh, podcast telegram. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's what the the remnant theory is based off of. Have you heard about heard Bitcoiners drop the remnant at all? No, I'm, I'm unaware of both of those. All right, you should just Google Isaiah's job. It, it'll probably come up on Mises.org. That's where I I found. I've it. got it right here. It's really good, man. It's and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like have hope. It, uh, basically, it's it's the story. The guy's talking about uh isaiah who got a message from god being like you got to go tell this city they're all doomed and uh and uh you know it's not going to work just so you know they're all still going to be doomed and he's like well then what's the point why am i going to go try and convince them he's like oh well there's a very small number of people there who are going to rebuild when the whole thing collapses and they need that message to let them know that they're they're right in they need remnant they exactly so it's like we're out there you know these people are out there and there's hope and it's easier than ever to connect you know what i mean like i didn't know you yesterday now i feel like i have a a sense of who you are and i feel like we would get along in person you know what i mean like it's real man it's it's cool and like you say as long as the internet stays on (laughs) as long as they don't figure out that that's our uh our number one tool of resistance uh and even then even then you know the 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 hacker remnant will rise and we'll have our weird little hacker data uh you know mesh networks cross nation land networks hell yeah baby (laughs) we'll never we're never giving up <laughs> um, yeah, you, you should check that well, out. Yeah, that out. it's a really cool. I, I'm going to read that today. Awesome. Um, I appreciate you introducing me to that. Uh, one thing that I, I guess, if I could have time for a yeah, closing, please. yeah, please. Statement. There's, you know, we've mentioned there being a lot of work to do, and a lot of people who are going to reject the proposal that we're <laughs> we're putting out there. Um, there's also going to be people who flip. You know, we mentioned earlier that there are some powerful people on the other side of the narrative mm. who don't want to be a stooge or yeah. a failing state. And they're going to flip too. And they're going to come over to this side and they're going to say sincerely, whether you believe they're sincere or not, um, they're going to say sincerely, you know, I was wrong mm. and I want to be a part of this. It's our job not only to put the message out there so that that happens, but to also be graceful those right. who are willing to say i was wrong and i want to be a part of this totally um you you have to grow as a movement bitcoin has to grow and it's going to mean including people that you don't agree with or 100%. that you didn't agree with especially before they decide to change mm-hmm. so i would just encourage people to realize that the more graceful we go about this mission and that we receive people 
the more successful our movement's going to be. Yeah, that's a great. No one, message. no one wants to be, no one wants to be aligned to the assholes. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, it's a good thought to end on. And you're right. It is. It's important. You gotta. You gotta forgive people and uh, invite them in and and build together and you know don't let don't let the bullshit keep you uh, away from someone who you could be friends with just because you don't agree on every stupid issue, like it's right. You, it's it's a waste of time to do that. Um, and it, it's not worth it. Yeah, hundred percent. You're you're missing out on meeting cool people and and building something together. That's uh, yep. you just reminded me of um, Jimmy Dore talks about that a lot. He talks about how really he talks about how um, like like these uh, these class consciousness movements on the left are like, oh, we need to get the, the working class. We need to do this and that. And he's like, all right, well, half the working class are Trump supporters. Are you going to you going to join in with them? And they're like, oh, no, they're disgusting. They're Trump supporters. It's like, right. well, then. You're not trying to build anything because these, you gotta right. come together. You gotta get over that stuff. It's just, it's not even real, man. The it's you. What I like to say is that we can bicker over differences after we win. <laughs> yeah, totally. There you go. I like it. I like it. All right, man. Well, this was really fun. Do you have any uh, any any place you want to send people? Uh, you can. Contact me at john at mmo.show. Um, I would encourage people to give the Millennial Media Offensive a try and, and keep listening to Extremely Live. It's really important <laughs> that people support these alternative media venues. Um, you know, we I don't enjoy watching national news all week <laughs> so that I can do a podcast, but I do enjoy doing the podcast and seeing what comes out of it. Um, so, you know, I'm sure extremely live is also a labor of love and I, yeah. it seems to be, I, um, I've, I've been impressed today to be on the show and I'm, I'm happy to come back. So yeah, if you ever definitely. need somebody to fill a spot, just let me know and I'd Absolutely. be happy to come back. You're a deep thinker, bro. We need those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was great. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, definitely have you back and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll build the future together, brother. All right, Micah. Have a good one. All right. That was our interview with John G. Do a beautiful look at a bright, hopeful future where we can all get along. Oh, man. Let's make it happen, people. If you like what we're doing here at Extremely Live, please head to extremely.live slash donate and send us some sats or disgusting U.S. dollars, if you must. Uh, but more importantly, please share our URL with your friends. I want to get in front of more people. And if you're listening to this and enjoying it, and you know of someone who would enjoy it, send it their way. Tell them to subscribe to the podcast. It would help us out a lot. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon.